Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanfoot and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestling, as I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidrick to review Monday Night Raw, the go home episode as head of hell in a cell. And how was it for you, Michael Hamlet? Rubbish, man. Just, just <laughs> rubbish. It's rubbish every week. Um, nothing the kind of bad, I think, where like legendarily bad that we had last week to pour over. Um, just, just rubbish, which is their standard now, which is a real shame, isn't it? Like, there's one great match we're going to talk about. Raw tends to offer one of these almost every week, but the what the damage does from the rest of the show is that it makes you care increasingly less about said good match. Um, I really like the good match this week. I'm sometimes a bit lower on the capital G, capital M good matches that Raw provides. I, like, I really liked it this week, um, but the show still wasn't like good enough to provide me with the energy to enjoy it fully. It just, it just saps away at your life. They're so like. I kind of I say I look forward to like going into this every week with you two because at least we get to like pick it a little bit and just for anyone that might still be out there watching and this and waiting for it to get better, we can explain why the mechanisms are just not in place for it. Um, but this was like joylessly rubbish throughout. If WWE are going to literally at this point, second for second, story beat for story beat, recycle the exact same thing across two weeks on these shows. I'm going to say the exact same thing I said last week. Yes, there was a very good pro wrestling match on this show. It is like scoring a constellation goal when you've been twatted 6-0 off the park. You can't like, even if it's like a wonder goal, it's like, well, we've lost and we're probably getting relegated and we're not going to sign any players. And if we did, we'd play a striker at right back. The team sucks one individual moment of brilliance from someone who can't be managed. It's like, it's not Messi or Ronaldo level. It's like Eden Hazard being managed by Steve Bruce. <laughs> when I see a good match on the show, it's like, he's obviously good. 
And he has a little moment of individual brilliance of which we know he's capable. Like, who cares? He's still getting managed by Steve Bruce. Yeah, I, me and Andy actually previewed Monday Night Raw yesterday. Thank you for was, that, by the way. That's all right. <laughs> I was simultaneously like excited because it was like, oh, we called that and we called that and we called that. And then it was like, oh, that's because this show is depressingly predictable. And it's not like calling, you know, oh, it'd be really great to see the return of Samoa Joe or whatever. It's just like, oh, no, they're, they're, they're sort of, that's what the way this works. They've got three hours to kill. So, of course, they're going to backwards engineer a six-man to, to with the round the, the Drew-AJ match. And, well, we'll get into all of it. I Honestly, the amount of tweets I now see of people, I saw even more this morning, of people going, you know what, I just, nah, I'm done. I'm giving up on Monday Night Raw. I'll just get the recaps from, from us three. And I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be funny one week to just make some up and see if see how many people actually say <laughs> that didn't happen? And then I thought, no, because we couldn't make something up as dumb as, as what they do here on Monday Night Raw. So it's utterly pointless. Let's dive straight into Monday Night Raw because speaking of dumb things, they recap the main event of last week to open the show. Uh, there's spooky doll stuff with Shayna Baser and Alexa. Uh, Shayna, who was absent from this show, but it will feature... Uh, what's going to be happening with her in due course. Uh, anyway, so Alexa is there in her playground. She said she received some, quote, strongly worded complaints about what she did and, of course, what Lily did last week. And they showed the replays, as I said. And uh, she said because of all that uh, and because WWE is heading out on the road soon, it'll probably get booed out of the sodding buildings, she's putting Lily in timeouts. Nia Jack shows up uh, and she says... What are you doing? Basically, uh, she's Bliss pretends to care about what happened with Shayna Baszler. And Baszler went, well, she said she's going to see you at Hell in a Cell. Bliss gets excited. Jack says, look, cut the crap. What happened to the real version of you? We used to be friends. And Bliss said, oh, we were never friends. And Jack's went, all right, then I'll face you in a match later. And Bliss pretends to cry and then giggles and goes, <laughs> OK, see you later. So we had that to look forward to as well as the uh, return of Eva Marie. Oh, good. Sige, your thoughts on the opener? Creative has nothing for Lily. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic part of that is. Um, I couldn't tell when they specifically said ahead of the return for the road, are they, like, are they saving the pop? You know, we talk <laughs> about how in AEW we talk about it earnestly and in WWE we take the pace how they're obviously saving new directions and big matches for when it normality resumes, fingers crossed it actually does. Were they saying, oh, saving this little stuff for the road, it's absolute road warrior pop stuff. <laughs> or were they just all but saying, yeah, yeah, this is getting shelved. Was it like an implication that the doll's being shelved? Um, it kind of must be. Like they must have re realized how oh, I was probably a step too far last week. Uh, people really didn't like this. So let's just banter off the doll. Nothing matters. Uh, we'll try some more bollocks. Whatever. The law people are going to be absolutely confused about how to make this make sense in their own heads. Well, if it's not a supernatural doll given to the powers, <laughs> what is it? Nothing, man, you idiot. So creative is nothing for Lily. And in fact, given that Shayna Baszler is returning before Lily, Shayna Baszler has gone 50-50 with a sentient doll. <laughs> uh, 
Pavlov, what do you reckon? Is this is this the end for Alexa Bliss and? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you played that one because running through my head for your entire recap after the way you started it was Alistair Green's "It's Time for Your Spooky Story," which I think <laughs> on our soundtrack every one of these Alexa Bliss segments. Cedric's playing in my head there the idea of Lily's return being like Steve Austin coming back for the Alliance, like just. Coming back, like all these women have to bump for the doll. <laughs> she <laughs> through the back door of the building, the crowd going progressively wilder with every single shot. Um, a Vince McMahon kink is to book Alexa Bliss in something so awful, so he gets to send her out there to like legitimately apologize the following week. She's been in this situation before. Remember the week after Bailey, This Is Your Life, where Kurt Angle's like, Thanks a lot, Alexa. We lost 300,000 viewers, you bitch. Like, <laughs> He's basically done that again this week because that was so awfully received. Uh, Lily will be back. Um, what's weird is that Shayna will be back. She's got this match at Hell in a Cell. Um, and unless I'm mistaken, we were given no full resolution of what happened at the end of last week's Raw. But somebody has been in touch with Shayna to be like, you're good for uh, Patreon on Sunday, yeah? Can we just, can we just like FedEx you the contract? Yeah, yeah, where are you? I'm in some sort of weird doll dimension. I don't know, but I'll get to the pay for you on Sunday. No bother. <laughs> like, that was never explained either. So wherever Lily is, almost doesn't really matter because we know Baser will be fine for Sunday. I mean, it's We have to take the mic because this is piss poor, isn't it? It's it's rubbish. It's it's rubbish at everything. It's bad It's bad sports entertainment, if you even can call it that. It's not pro wrestling. It's, it's like lousy horror. Rubbish. All around rubbish. And like Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax being the payoff just reminded me, like we had when it was Alexa Bliss and Asuka, I think, was that they have not yet figured out how to reincorporate Alexa Bliss back into, like, generic wrestling. I, like, I always think of, like, like The Fiend has just grabbed a headlock. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, they've they got the exact same problem with Alexa Bliss. Like, oh, she's got these magic powers, but nothing competes with the sparkle splash. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't ever think about that enormous disconnect between the two things. There's not only that disconnect, but there's also the fact that they've just got horror completely wrong. The supernatural monster demonic entities, they can come back for the sequel. Mm-hmm. They're stars of the show. Like, the victims don't come back. They're <laughs> dead. <laughs> They're human dead people. WWE gets it completely backwards. This sh- oh, God, how can I watch the New Day versus RK Bro after this and think oh, it's a really good match? I don't care. I just, I, I think I've worked, worked it out through you two discussing it there. You know, you're thinking, have they just realised this is crap and taken it off telly? No, obviously not. They, they thought, well, this is money. So, you know, let's get all the, well, whatever. Yeah, John Cena, Roman Reigns, there you go. Here's the rock, he's coming back. But then the big, big pot will be. And the first round of the draft, SmackDown picks Lily. Oh, my God. I didn't realise she was even available. When you said money, you've just made me realise she's going to win the case, isn't she? She's going to have a title shot any time she wants. That's the last thing this roster needs. I'd love that. <laughs> she just holds the doll up, like grabs a briefcase down with Lily in her hand. But who's the real money in the bank briefcase holder? Jesus Christ, you're probably right as well. Uh, anyway, first match of the night was uh, Charlotte Blair versus... Nikki Cross. Oh, good. We haven't seen that one before. Um, Charlotte was still cutting a promo backstage saying she wanted her loss from the Beat the Clock Challenge. I've stumbled over saying that quite a few times, so I've started saying it a bit slower. Um, she wanted her loss against Nikki Cross stricken from the record. And on Sunday, she'd remind Rhea Ripley whose division this was. 
Uh, and Rhea Ripley came out about three seconds into the match uh, to allow a schoolboy distraction to which Nikki Cross got a one count. Anyway, eventually Cross fights back because Charlotte's in control. Uh, she goes for a crossbody off the apron to the outside. Charlotte catches her, though, and holds her there and mocks Cross and Ripley, who sat at ringside by this point, hits a fallaway slam. Uh, Cross crawls back into the ring. Charlotte has a tete-a-tete with Rhea Ripley, doesn't pay attention to the match and gets counted out. She's angry post-match. She attacks Nikki Cross, but Ripley makes the save and lays her out with a riptide. Eight minutes, that. Michael Hamplett, we wasted for that. Horrible. Just horrible. All of this stipulation, like this match and this feud is horrible. Um, it's the worst, it's the worst program in WWE. Said that already. And like think of the stuff we cover on this review, let alone the stuff you might not like on SmackDown or NXT. And this is the worst feud in WWE, I think. Um, the WWE Universe account tweeted to much disdain, as you can imagine, a gif of Nikki Cross like celebrating. And it was like, is there anyone riding more momentum on WWE Raw than Nikki Cross? And it got all this derision in the quote tweets and stuff. And then I was thinking, no, there isn't. <laughs> and that's like, that's the bigger indictment, I think. Nikki Cross has got the most momentum. And it's a result of this, because nobody on the show has got any momentum at all. Like, this is the, I like a storyline, because most of this exists within, this isn't like supernatural stuff. This isn't stuff that like makes itself very easy to mock. This broadly exists within the confines of pro wrestling. It's just a very worse kind of it. And if anything, like I like having this to be able to rip apart because it best exposes like the blackened dead heart at the core of WWE. If we're gonna pick on why this product, not this company, they'll be fine forever. We know this, blah 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 blah, moaned forever. But why this product as a wrestling product is so fatally flawed, this is the current angle to pick on to express that. Shelfair's a moron. Shelfair's a moron. The heel's an idiot. The baby face celebrates. I just see this. It's the same bollocks every single week. They've got no clue how to satisfactorily resolve anything. They've got no clue about how to convey performers with like likable or detestable characteristics because they're all completely detestable. You wait eight minutes, and at the net result of eight minutes, Eight minutes of your life is some tit is stupid enough to forget the rules. One of the most decorated athletes, not that you can call on that, but you know, in theory, one of your most decorated gilded athletes, no less, who's won the title more than 10 times. What's it, 13 at this rate? It's not just anybody. It's meant to be if you can strip everything away from everything and just look at these characters in this world they inhabit. The person who can't remember the rules of professional wrestling is the person who in the entire history of WWE is ostensibly one of the best to ever do it. Her character is one of the best to ever do it. And she is forgetting the rules of a pro wrestling match. Can you imagine Nasawa, Kabashi, Saruta, Flair, Steamboat, Omega, The Bucks, Tao, Kawada, Liger, Tanahashi, Okada. Can you imagine any of them? Like a single one of them in the process of a pro wrestling match, which they've spent their entire lives and careers excelling at. 
Can you imagine a single one of them forgetting the rules mid-match and losing on multiple occasions? Like, can you imagine this? No. You can't imagine that. It is the, the worst company, irrespective of the genre of entertainment it provides. It is the worst company of all time. <laughs> Things got wacky next, though, because uh, Riddle was chatting with Jeff Hardy, who uh, had that thing where he's got his face paint on and his eyes are painted. Uh, or his eyelids are painted. It looks like his eyes are open. And then when he opens his eyes, you go, oh, there's his real eyes. Uh, and Riddle loved that. He was banging on about some bollocks, about you know, having to team, team with, with Randy Orton and getting advice from Jeff Hardy on that. Yeah, known best mates, Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton, of course. Uh, but yeah, uh, Hardy said, yeah, just just listen to him because he's a you know seasoned professional, basically. And he opened his eyes and Riddle was like, whoa, you got four eyes. <laughs> no, he's got two. Yeah. Oh, shut. He started talking about having a band or something. I mean, Rick Boogs got mentioned, so that made me happy. Uh, Xavier Woods was going to be in this band as well. Uh, Orton on piano. And <laughs> Jeff Hardy's got so bored, he's just wandered off in the midst of all this. But then Orton shows up uh, and said, look, don't try and be like me. Just be Riddle, whatever that is. And uh, Riddle wondered if that meant Orton liked him. And Orton said, no, Michael Sidgwick. <laughs> Increasingly, quite a few people. Well, I, I would never want to praise Matt Riddle, but I've got more interest in seeing that band than Perox Wygen. <laughs> so maybe that's why Jeff was a little bit pissy with him. <laughs> uh, Jeff was in action next. He faced John Morrison in a match that didn't go three minutes. Uh, John Morrison just walked in the ring, sprayed him with his drip stick, and the referee went, yeah, that's fine. Let's start the match. Let's go. Just no, no, not even a moment of Jeff to recover. Yeah, fine. Squirt him in the face and let's go. Um, Cedric Alexander came out. Oh, I love this. Cedric Alexander came out about a minute into the match to just watch. And then Morrison won with, with Starship Pain. So Cedric Alexander just did his, just got on the mic and went, You're disrespectful. You're a sore winner. I want to kick your ass into a retirement home. And then uh, out, out of nowhere, Jeff Hardy went, all right, let's have a match now. And if you beat me, I'll retire. This is like TNA stuff where they used to do it with like Kevin Nash. Uh, Mid pay-per-view, he'd go, yeah, and if I don't lose, if I don't win this match, then uh, I'll just retire forever, I suppose. You're like, oh, do you not want to give any prelude to this? Any sort of advance warning? Just, you know what? Yeah, I'm not doing anything. Let's have a retirement match out of nowhere. Um, I'm going to roll this all into one, lads, because it was a load of bollocks. Uh, Jeff Hardy beat him uh, again inside three minutes. Um he, uh, Cedric Alexander hit a Mishinoku driver countering a twist of fate and got a two count, uh, went for a swanton bomb, missed that, uh, went for a neuralizer, Hardy dodged it, hit a twist of fate, swanton bomb, one, two, three. So thankfully, uh, Michael Hamflet, Jeff Hardy doesn't have to retire. This is just, it's not even insane because it's just so regular. Now, I started writing for what culture in 2016 and back then, th like this sort of, bit of television from WWE is not totally unprecedented, right? I probably could have done a list trying to find 10 more similar situations like this, like worst raw burials ever or something like that. And we would have been able to get to 10, definitely. WWE's got lots of form. I could now do 10 just on Cedric like this from the last month. It is. I'm laughing like I shouldn't because we've seen now that this is 
people's jobs hang in the balance as a result of booking like this all the time. Like there's another round, there's another round of releases and you immediately review what they've been doing over the last six months. And it's stuff like this. It's guys, they can't bury people on the way out of the territory because nobody's over enough to be buried, but they can certainly just weaken them on the way out. Um, I'd like to think Cedric Alexander will lose his job or anything, but I, to, to feel anything for this character now after the, Losses to him, like after getting booted out of the hurt business, only so Bobby Lashley could look at bigger losers for help. You know, Cedric helped him, got fired, so Bobby Lashley went to Baron Corbin. Cedric and Shelton Benjamin team together, got squashed, like went 50 50 in his own feud with Shelton. Now has this, like, what chance has he got to recover from this? What chance at all? And then, you know, he gets released in a year's time because, like, you know, creative has nothing for him or because the company just don't see it in him. Well, like everybody saw it in him once upon a time and you have taken what people saw and mauled it and ruined it. And it's just, yeah, I'm not angry about the segment. Like it would have been like it used to be, but I feel sad for him. I feel sad for Sergio Alexander. Cause it's just like, it's just piss taking stuff, piss taking nonsense. It's just funny. Just if you think about how long it would take someone, I think he does it himself. Jeff Hardy to paint his face. Well, boss, what am I painting my face for today? Well, Riddle's going to take the piss out of it and just erode your mystique instantly. Then someone's going to use a prop to try and wash it off. And then you are going to treat your own career, your own legacy, such like such an afterthought <laughs> that you're going to put it on the line in a two-minute match. I mean, what an absolute farce. An absolute farce. And honestly, like, if you're a WWE heel, you could get a baby face to do anything as long as you challenge them. It's remarkable. Well, put your, your career on the line, right? Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, guess what? Uh, you're going to murder your family if uh, you don't win this match. Pff, I, can, I can win a wrestling match against you. I'm going to kill them all. I like, don't, you can just get them to do bloody anything. They're idiots. They are complete and utter idiots. Uh, just, what can I say about this? John Morrison's a total goofball. Jeff Hardy's an idiot. Cedric Alexander's career is dead. And I'm watching all of these things in quick succession. There was a little clue of just how little anybody's watching or caring internally as well in this match. Drew McIntyre, to partial credit, although they're already ruining it, has like tried to get the Michinoku driver back over as a big spot in a big match. And um, <laughs> there was one in the match against Jeff Hardy. Like Alexander hit one, two count against a guy that's already wrestled once and he's just about to squash him. Like it was just tossed off as meaningless fodder. It may as well have been a clothesline for all it mattered. And it's just the sort of thing like, oh yeah, that's the thing that your main event was trying to re-establish. Just massive popper of one at the pay-per-view. I don't care. I'm, I've already moved on. Like somebody like Bruce and Vince, uh, uh, excuse me, we've got Eva Marie next. Shouldn't I go about this? Like they're just, uh, nobody cares. We do. That's why we sit and watch it and talk about it, but they don't. Just thinking if you made an entire roster from people who lost on Monday Night Raw this week, look at this. Charlotte Flair, Jeff Hardy, Cedric Alexander, Naomi, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, Asuka, well, Nia Jax, um, oh, Elias, AJ Styles, Bobby Lashley and uh, Big Jord. Not a bad roster, really, is it? Three champions. Four Four champions. <laughs> like four champions lost. Can you imagine 
I'm not being funny here. I don't care anymore. My new tactic is if I say something on Twitter that's negative about WWE, touch grass, asshole, in the quote tweets, I'm just not going to engage you. I couldn't care less. So I'm going to do it. I don't care. Can you imagine, right, on an episode of Dynamite? Gosh, Rhea Ripley's a champion. Still three champions have lost. Can you imagine on any episode of Dynamite? Kenny Omega loses and the Yorks lose. Just on the same episode of Dynamite. In an untitled match. Can you imagine this? It just doesn't happen because it shouldn't happen. Mm. What was next, Will Bourne? I was thinking about Touch Grass. Touch Grass is the new... should go to the gym a little bit more. Touch Grass says the person holding the phone with one hand and typing uh, with the other. Like the... It's like... One grass touches typing people to touch grass. It's worse than the sort of... Oh, look at this guy who needs to hit the gym. Like like those YouTube comments from these Jack Lotharios. Yeah, hiding behind the Drew bloody avatars. Like, it's just... You, you, you're doing the same thing, don't you? You know that. You're mm. doing the exact same things I'm doing. And the thing that I'm doing takes... Well, I'm very quick-witted, asshole. It takes me like three seconds to come up with these things. It takes me about 10 seconds to type. And it takes me one second to press. So 14-second process. Touch grass. Touch grass. I effectively live on a farm because I do family days out all the time. Like I've, I, trust me. I don't even touch my grass. <laughs> I don't even touch my grass until I get the beamish form. <laughs> Um, right, next up, I feel bad, actually. Very unprofessional, mate. We've got, well, it's meant to be the return of Eva Marie. But I've just got on this notes, Naomi versus a mystery opponent I've never seen before. So I don't, I'm really sorry. I, I've literally no idea. Eva Marie, they've hyped this up, obviously. Evolution's coming. Eva Marie's back. I literally uh, predicted this with Andy yesterday. I was like, who are they going to feed to her? Like, it'll either be a local competitor, but like every other woman is involved in something right now, except for Naomi, who's lost her other partner, Lana, of course, as part of the cuts. And I was like, you can't feed them Naomi. Naomi's great. Naomi, you could put in a title match next week and you'd go, all right, well, he hasn't got the wins and stuff, but it'll be a great match regardless because it's Naomi. Yeah, it was a squash match with Naomi. Of course it was. So Eva Marie comes out and she is flanked by, I'm told by my research actually, Piper Niven. You may not have heard of her. She's only been on NXT UK for about three years, uh, doing great things and uh, fantastic British wrestler. Yeah, bollocks to that. Who cares? Uh, Piper Niven comes out. She's sort of flanking Eva Marie. A lot of speculation that it had been either this or Mercedes Martinez. I'll tell you what, you can almost make a list of good things that Mercedes Martinez has dodged in the past year already. But anyway, um, she comes out. Yeah, the commentators, as I alluded to, were just like, here's Eva Marie and a woman, I guess. I don't know who this is. Um, and <laughs> Piper Niven wrestled the match with Naomi and squashed her, effectively. Beat her in a minute uh, with a finishing with Michael Hamlet. A Mishinoku driver. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was the finisher, of course. Uh, Post-match, you think, you know, when Andy was suggesting this yesterday, and you were like, oh, okay, yeah, even he doesn't wrestle, that boils some piss, good stuff. Yeah, very nice. And fans still don't really get that online to a certain extent. But you go like, oh, Mercedes Martinez is a pipe in and you're going to have some sort of muscle. Okay, that's 
something, I suppose. But instead of just having, and I know we've got a lot of that at the moment, but instead of just having Piper Niven run through Naomi, she beat her, she squashed her, but then she acted like this like, giddy, overexcited fan of Eva Marie. So Eva Marie was just like, oh, stop hugging me post-match. And then she got on the mic and went, and the winner is Eva Marie. What, Sitch? Here's the thing, right? In theory, the commentators should know who Piper Niven is. But an immaculate burial of NXT UK this was. Pissed myself. Like, I couldn't, it's just this soulless zombie concern that was created for the most, in retrospect, absurd reason. Oh, Christ, that world of sports got an ITV deal, right? British wrestling, let's nip this one on the bud. And ITV World of Sport, like it got cancelled after one season. Um, the reasons for that are various, but it just got cancelled and it was never really like going to do anything, I don't think. Um, I think they strategically cast that net too wide to try to do like big lad throwbacks and then in one match and then let's get bloody Osprey on. It's like, it didn't have whatever. It was just comical that they have created and lost so much money with NXT UK for the reasons why it was formed in the first place. Just a nice bit of poetic justice for how spiteful this organisation is. So I'll accept the burial of NXT UK. And NXT UK is such an irrelevant concern. That would not be funny. Why would Jimmy Smith know who she is? I understand like Saxon and Graves. But like, why? There are people working, there are independent contractors taking bumps in WWE who Vince McMahon has never heard of. Like, literally, legit, he's never heard of. So I think that's been a little bit overstated. It's obviously insulting to our intelligence as fans, but the commentators, like, how do you know who someone from NXT UK is? This is a massive, ridiculous company in which the left hand doesn't know what the right is doing, which was conveyed again through the finish of this match. If you knew someone was coming in and that is a finish, why do this? That, to me, isn't the worst thing about this presentation, nor is the fact that, oh, Christ, the second coming of Nami Toyota didn't wrestle. What they're doing there? Just, that's a gimmick, man. <laughs> You're meant to get annoyed. And how much does it possibly work anymore? It's not as if the whole, the, it's not as if Imperium are abound. It's no sanctity to any of the pro wrestling on Raw SmackDown. It doesn't work. Oh, God, she deprives me of wrestling that I love. <laughs> you like supernatural dolls, you stupid bastards. <laughs> So none of this was offensive to me at all, other than the clear implication that Eva Marie was disgusted to be next to this person who she's hired, and who mm. doesn't quite look like she does. Uh, oh, but like, fuck off, man. Hoey. This is just not on, like, it just isn't on. That poor lass. I felt, it's the most I've felt about Raw on anything, and it was sheer pity for Piper Niven, because you know what this was, and what this was was disgusting yeah and WWE are not the company to like try and tell the story either the story being that we assume I guess that like ultimately Piper Niven will see Eva Marie for who she is and batter her or whatever they're, they're not the company and they never have been to tell this kind of story they'll do an awful job of it it'll be pretty minging it'll feel bad um, but I'm with Cedric I loved that there was no acknowledgement of NXT like loved it no acknowledgement of NXT UK um, they don't expect their audience to watch it and like why should they like 
those minging diddler factories, ICW and Progress on the network, I'm not going to watch them either. So I'd like I'd expect not to know who some complete loser off one of them broadcasts were if they rocked up on Raw. So as much as I might like Piper Niven and know of her through um, the Mayon Classic, through NXT UK, through her stuff on the Indies, um, I've got a begrudging respect for Vince McMahon's <laughs> disdain and distaste for his own subsidiaries. Um I didn't like, because what I was watching was Monday Night Raw, I didn't like the confused motivations of the Piper Niven character, because all that like weird hugging at the end, like, I'm your best friend, oh, you, you hate me and you judge me, great. Like, that was that sort of betrayed the introduction, where even Marie came out and Piper Niven just looked hard as nails, eyes on the prize, mm. ready to battle Naomi. So, like, over the space of, what, a two-minute presentation, like, the Piper Niven character contradicted itself. Um, so that that was like that was what I had an issue with, um, but it's raw, so it was only a fleeting issue, and then I didn't care a minute and a half later. But yeah, the NXT UK stuff was really funny. People should think through what that actually means rather than being stressed that this like I hope Walter shows up and doesn't even get acknowledged. Like I hope that Corey Graves is like, who's that Michael Hamlet looking weirdo? Like <laughs> that, he's had eight hundred days of that belt or whatever, and it's meaningless. And like people on Twitter talk about it like it's some grand reign. He's had like four, like they're all awesome, but he's had like four matches because they just forget the frigging thing exists half the time. Like, good, like make that make that whole show feel as redundant as it actually is. The frigging optics of presenting a British female wrestler being emotionally manipulated <laughs> <laughs> on your flagship program in life. Yeah. Did you unbelievable? Did you hear what? there because i don't think they actually ever said what her name was obviously i i genuinely had money on her name being e the marie so it's like well here's eva marie and here's e the marie so we can say well eva marie's for a fighting tonight but they didn't they never actually say obviously the name piper niven do you know what one of the considered names was for her was it a funny spelling of dewdrop yes it'd be funny if it was dowdrop Dewdrop. Sweet Jesus. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Anyway, things picked up. Oh, no, they didn't. Uh, things changed next. Uh, did you notice they did? What did they say on this show? It was between Summer and Alexa. They didn't say switching gears. It was like changing lanes today. It was another <laughs> one of them. But regardless, uh, here, uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke were doing their best, I don't know, Sandy from Greece impression or something. Regardless, they're doing a photo shoot and they're getting annoyed. Can you keep the bloody wrestling down in the background, please, lads? Uh, Natalia and Tamina are training in the ring and they go, can you shut up, please? We're trying to have a photo shoot. And uh, Natalia went, huh, you're too concerned with your looks. And then Rosenbrook went, huh, well, you only got where you are because the, the your last names. And then they brawled and officials broke it up. And I just didn't care, if I'm honest, Michael Hamplett. Who were who the baby faces and the heels? Exactly. I couldn't like discern from this segment. Like None of them were likable, so I guess they're all heels. Um, but the whole story with Natalia and Tamina is that it's been this dream of Tamina in particular to, to just win a belt and actually gain some sort of respect in a company. So, I well, they can't book and they can't script and they can't do anything. So that this is what you get. And this is the last tag team, isn't it? Like there's no other main roster tag teams left now. So they've got, uh, not only was this minging, but they've got to drag it out to like Money in the Bank or something. Otherwise there's no tag team match for the first crowd back. So you got this for like two months, minimum. It's just absolutely shoddy brawl. <laughs> Give a toss. If you give even the faintest hint of a toss about the action of an action wrestling show, brawl was shoddy. And here's the, uh, the the reason for the conflict. I think you're ugly. Well, I think you're the beneficiaries of nepotism. Cool. Everyone sucks on some level. <laughs> My favourite bit of all this was when they're like going back and forth and they're Natalia and Tamina are kneeling down, right? And Natalia gets one of the belts and goes like, you're never going to get this. Except she took the belt that was on Tamina's side. So it's like, Tamina was going to talk to them. They, can you pass me that? Sorry, can you pass me that belt, please? I just need to, yeah, you're never going to get this. Just what a load of crap. Um, got an interview with uh, Kevin Patrick and Drew McIntyre next. Uh, he doesn't call him Bobby Lashley anymore, Michael Sidgwick. Calls him Trashley. That's what he does. He calls him Trashley. Uh, he said he was ready for AJ Styles tonight. And he said uh, the Scots are known as master strategists and told this story about William Wallace butchering the British because they had to go over a bridge or something. And that was his plan to become WWE champion again, Sige. And then he told Kevin Patrick to bugger off. Thanks. Good baby face. In WWE's eyes, Scotland is literally a nation of three people. They are Drew McIntyre, William Wallace, and uh, Roddy Piper, who wasn't actually Scottish. Um, Piper Niven doesn't have a nationality or, in fact, a name. Um, oh, William Wallace still. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Like, I've gone gone. <laughs> back and tire, man. It's just he was remember when he was actually like quite adept at like owning both the room and the fact that the role he's playing is a little bit bollocks. So he would like clip one of his line readings, knowing it was bollocks. Yeah, it's stuff I've got to say, guys, but you know, uh, thank you for persevering. And remember when he was actually self-aware enough as a character to know that this is all a bit rubbish, but he's gonna do the best job he can with it. Like none of that's here anymore. He's just a caricature. 
an entitled skid mark of a caricature. <laughs> there was detail about a bridge in this, wasn't there? She's like, I'm beginning to like the dark. Like it just, I it couldn't possibly connect anymore with this character. Like I, I don't, and I think they must know that they're on the I, poor Drew McIntyre. So he got one show in front of a crowd to have his big moment of redemption from losing one the year prior. And he loses in the opener clean, pretty much. Um, and now, as we're on the verge of them coming back all the time, uh, does he stand to potentially... Is this an edge thing? Are we just misreading this? Like, is he alienating just us, or is he alienating everybody? Will he get this massive pop? Like, well, I'm sure we'll do a preview later in the week. I think he's going to lose on Sunday. I, I cannot see him winning this title. Um, and I think part of that is because they still want to give him his moment in front of fans. I don't know why they just didn't. But they want to give him his moment in front of fans one day. Like, he can't fight Bobby Lashley if he loses on Sunday, so it's going to have to be for the next champion, whatever. You'll get it. By then, will it be too late? Yeah. Because it's alienated the audience like that. Like, they're, they're thinking of a moment that frittered away after WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, the, the biggest pop he's going to get is the two-litre bottle of Iron Brew he gets to drink after Hell in a Cell. That's, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Anyway, let's let's move on to genuinely the highlight of Monday Night Raw, that being RK Bro versus the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Because yet again, a match involving these four was great because you give them 20 odd minutes to just have a wrestling match and tell a story, Sige, and they can do that. Um, I did like the fact that Riddle and Orton apparently have been watching MSK and NXT when Orton went, right, you do a flip and I'll just push you onto him. Then I'll, I'll do. Yeah, that sounds good. Um so Kingston fights back, hits Orton with a drop kick, jumping clothesline, a boom drop, but then Riddle distracts Kingston long enough to allow Orton to dodge out of the way of a trouble in paradise. Later on, Riddle tags in, hits kicks, it's a suplex, it's a knee strike, it's a floating bro, great hard hitting stuff, all this. Uh, and it looks like Riddle's going to win with that floating bro because Orton even tackles Woods out of the way. Um, American football-esque to uh, stop him from breaking up the pin. But thankfully, Kingston just kicks out. Uh, Woods hits Riddle with a superplex. Kingston hits him with a frog splash. It looks like he's going to get pinned, but Orton breaks up the cover. Uh, they do a sort of shield powerbomb on Woods. Uh, Orton and Riddle work together to powerbomb him for a two count. Uh, Woods blocks a German suplex, gets Riddle up on his shoulders. Kingston hits that flying foot stomp, another great near fall. Uh, and the finish sees Orton come in, go for an RKO. Woods counts it, goes for an honor roll, straight into an RKO. One, two, three. RK bro win. Still, Orton doesn't look happy about being a part of this team. But they are slowly learning to work more and more together, Sige. And this was, without doubt, the best match last night. Yeah, absolutely. There's... This, it's by design, and I think it's just a ceiling fan or something. There's this horrendous artificial hum that cloaks the Thunderdome. Thunderdome? Thunderdome. That I just cannot shake myself from. And it says something about the quality of this match that I didn't hear at once. Like, the storytelling was really strong. It was much better than that weird thread that they appeared to have abandoned when Riddle was just being Orton again, well, that's not going to make you a good tag team like, at all. Like, there's a chemistry to explore. There's two of you. There's, you know, that's the dramatic potential that tag team wrestling does, and they explored that really quite fantastically here. Um, everything Riddle and Woods do together is fantastic. This is paced. This generally felt like 
they've been wanting to work this match for ages. That's the vibe I got. They've wanted to do this for ages. They were overjoyed that they finally got a chance to do something that might get a little bit of bloody praise on socials. <laughs> See, guys are just literally doing their jobs. Some of them very well. Like, like Kofi Kingston's been putting in like Iron Man performances for the past month of his goddamn life. Just really felt like he was desperate for a bit of recognition here. And he's going to get it on this podcast because this was very, very strong. And yes, they've probably watched MSK. Oh, that's cool. You'll have that before they get on Raw. <laughs> yeah. Juniors. But at the same time, like, what a nice intersection of the characters that is. Randy Orton, least we forget, dot, 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 because Rip Rogers is too much of a moron to get proper ellipsis. Correct. Dot, 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 dive. Randy Orton has a genuine disdain for this sort of thing, but he recognises, all right, okay, it's probably useful. I'll shove him into it. Genuinely good. Legitimately very good. Um, yeah, I'm not going to do cartwheels over it. Hmm. I, I refuse to do that. It was a very good match. Yeah, just great, man. Um, every now and then, Raw, and I, like, I don't think last week's in particular did it. Uh, Ridland Woods did, and Sheamus and Drew did, but like just sometimes a match will shake you out the coma that Raw puts you into. That's the like the the quality bar that these guys are aiming for, and this did it, and then some. Um, I don't want to put all the credit on Ridland Woods either, because like all four were at it. As Cedric points out, Kofi's had like a month where he's been like bang game, made the most of that little like mini program with Drew, all that sort of stuff. But I mean, it does show like how the tag team chemistry is at the core of why this was so great, because. Like Orton and Kofi have been working together since before even I was born, and their title program a couple of years back was just criminally dull. And like, there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that what they do together outside of a couple of segments is particularly entertaining. So, put them in their tag teams and put them in a, a like a match that is actually informed by a little bit of story. Like, they've, they've worked towards this one as well. Like, I genuinely wish not because I care about like network subs and buy rates and all that old boring stuff. Like, I wish this was safe for the pay-per-view because I really quite enjoy watching WWE. Yeah. The show, the matches tend to be pretty decent. The workers are just allowed to, like, have 10 minutes of a, like, kind of echoing what Cedric said, maybe, like, an opportunity to get people's attention because it's impossible to care about these TV shows. So I wish we'd had the first run of this at Hell in a Cell because it almost feels like it fits better. Um, but it was a welcome break from Monday Night Raw being Monday Night Raw here. And they used to say we won't get it at Hell in a Cell anyway. And then again on Raw next week where, like, the returns will all be diminished. Um, but this is the first version of it. It was great. Uh, good development of RK Bro as a team. Fed quite nicely in uh, some background work they're doing with Kofi and MVP. So you can actually admire another part of the process a result, as a result of this match. Um, it's really good when the New Day do this too, because a lot of what they do now is like superfluous rubbish. They just like more than accept their lot. Like they know they're always going to be fine. So they'll be given some weeks where the scripting is just abysmal and you can't do anything but bury what they've said and done on a raw. But when they can sink the teeth into something, they've still got it. They've absolutely still got it. I was reminded of the Street Profit Survivor Series match and how those four made those bloody T-shirts actually matter for 15 minutes because that match was class. Like, I believe the New Day were battling for Raw's brand supremacy and they had no right. And they've done it here in this feud and you have a good feeling that they're maybe going to do it with MVP, Lashley or whatever's to come there as well because they're into it. And that's nice. Like something restorative for an act like that when so much of their stuff is garbage. I think it's, it's, it's good to just remind you of that. Woods, like Woods is maybe too good for all of this. Like 
push Xavier Woods as a single star before he can't be asked to be a WWE superstar. He's got enough irons in the fire that he doesn't need this. Like, make something of that guy before he just doesn't need WWE anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just got to echo what you both of you said there. Just really, really enjoyed this. And then back to the crushing reality of Monday Night Raw with a backstage interview with Rhea Ripley uh, talking about how Charlotte should be focused on their match on Sunday rather than worrying about her bruised ego. She said, I think it's funny watching so someone so powerful just crumble. Uh, she's going to send Charlotte to the back of the line. And then she, again, the baby face told the interviewer to piss off so she could get ready for her match, which was coming next. Before we get to the match, Hamlet, anything you want to say about this? No. No, me neither. Good. <laughs> uh, it was followed by Rhea Ripley versus Asuka. Yep. Why waste Asuka for this? I'm not... Obviously, the match was pretty damn good for how long it lasted, but why waste Asuka on this? Um, yeah, skip. Let's talk about what happened post-match then, because, yeah, like you say, it's a good match. We've seen it a few loads of times before, but unfortunately, Asuka uh, lost via the Riptide after Ripley ducked a few of her shots. Post-match, in comes Charlotte, of course, to attack Ripley. They brawl. They cannot be separated. They keep getting back together. You know, John Cena and Brock Lesnar-esque, uh, just bloodying up each other. Charlotte's got a bloody nose and shouts at Postman Pierce to get off me in the midst of all this. Um, what do you make of the post-match brawl at least, Sidge? They uh, they can't be contained. Um, it was one of Charlotte Flair's better performances, I guess. But just get on with doing the match and never want to see them occupy the same screen ever again after this. Like... If I was interested in seeing the match, if they were trying to get me interested in watching the match, I just prefer like at least one person that I quite half liked. Rhea Ripley was doing the ha ha ha. Shut up, man. Limmy <laughs> <laughs> in the summer. Oh, is this annoying? <laughs> Make me hate everyone. I, like you, you know, you're telling the story there, Wilborn. You're recapping. Um, they can't be separated. Like, they can, because they were throughout the entirety of the Nicky Cross match. Charlotte's angry, like, boo me, you should be booing yourself. You're the one that forgot the count out. It's nothing to do with Rhea Ripley. It's not the <laughs> of your job. Yeah, like, too little, too late. I think this kind of yes. pull apart for this particular programme. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, enough of that. It's now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it! <laughs> and this week's five star review review is brought to you by Mancham. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful Monday Night Rules segment, and we are spoiled for choice at the moment, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five star review on there. Mansham writes, hello, gentlemen. I want to say thank you for all of the analysis and laughs over the pandemic. Working the crazy schedule that I do as a, a member of the oh no, culinary industry uh, can be mentally taxing. And I am not sure how much worse I would have felt getting through the global bastard without spending time with my friends and loved ones uh, if I hadn't had our interactions on Twitter and your podcast to stay sane. The wrestling community can certainly have, I like this phrase, balls for shoes sometimes. 
but it was a pleasure having some form of social dialogue with wrestling through this difficult time. Can you please cover Hulk Hogan in the dungeon so we can all laugh at that complete toss spot? Or if you've already covered that, maybe him being a total dweeb in TNA. Thank you and take care. Thank you, Mancham, uh, for that five-star review. Are you happy to provide entertainment during this awful 18 months or whatever it's been now? Uh, we, of course, have already done the... ah. It's not that <laughs> segment with uh, with Hulk Hogan. Uh, so, Hamlet, why don't you introduce what we're going to be talking about instead and the backstory to one of many moments of, uh, to use Mancham's words, Hulk Hogan being a total dweeb in TNA. Hamlet, can you give us the backstory to everybody falling in a big hole? Well, yes, I can. <laughs> um, yeah, this was the early, the infamous early days of Hogan and Bischoff in TNA. Um AJ Styles and Abyss were to headline Destination X, which was previously one of their biggest shows because of the like the X Division theme around it and like how the X Division was one of the few things that TNA could claim as pioneering. AJ and Abyss were very much like homegrown projects, but this was no longer a homegrown TNA. AJ Styles was playing a Ric Flair avatar versus Abyss playing a Hulk Hogan avatar. By that, what I mean is AJ Styles had to clown around doing a strut and pretending to be a womanizer when we know, and it's lovely, just how much he loves a Wendy Styles. Like, he's just not Ric Flair and he never will be. He's AJ Styles and there's, I was going to say there's nothing wrong with that. We know there's a few things wrong with that, but like fundamentally as a wrestler, as a wrestler, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it being AJ Styles, but they want to be Ric Flair. Abyss had a cachet, you know, he had an appeal, but no, they added red and yellow bits to his gear and wanted to give him Hogan-like superpowers. So how do you factor those superpowers into the main event of your pay-per-view? I think you're going to tell us that, aren't you? Well, yeah, didn't he also, it was, he, Hogan gave him his Hall of Fame ring. Hall of Fame ring, because that was where the power of Hulkamania lied at the time. His, just let's just clarify this. His WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame <laughs> ring made one of these bootleg dicks in TNA wrestling. Um, halfway marketable or believable. Cut to in Hulk up. It's like a leisure center on pay per view. This one. <laughs> I just quickly running through the uh, the Destination X card. Uh, Wrestling T. had some potentially good matches on this card. Motor City Machine Guns wrestled this team called Generation Me. I wonder what happened to them. <laughs> and sorry, just to clarify, I, I didn't realize this. Michael Hamlet, it says the match following the Ultimate X match uh, featuring Generation Me and the Most City Machine Guns, the band wrestled Eric Young and Kevin Nash, the band being Six Pack, see what they've done there, and Scott Hall. Oh, brother. <laughs> Not a banner day for the lads, this. Um, other than the fact that, obviously, because what the hell was going to happen, Nash turned on Eric Young straight away. <laughs> And very literally got the band back together because, and again, because Eric Young was a homegrown guy and it was just one of those nights. Like he did, Eric, this was one of those nights for Eric Young where like he was probably getting bollocks backstage. It's like, you want to be grateful that you're not fighting the nasty boys now, get out there and lie down. Like there, it was just the misery that hung over this, like this roster that like six months earlier, we're thinking that oh, we're going to, Dixie's got this big announcement at Madison Square Garden. I think it's next level. Maybe Spike had given us another night on TV. It's Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> I just also want to note the fact that this show apparently had the tagline, a night when the X Division will shine. 
for the main event, of course, AJ Styles versus Abyss. All right, okay, fair enough. Not the main event, but let's have a look at the co-main. Oh, Kurt Angle versus Mr. Anderson. All right, but not that, but maybe like co-co-main. Hernandez and Matt Morgan versus Beer Money. Well, there we go. That's a night where the X Division's really going to shine. I'm trying to... I could be wrong about this. Was noted high-flying lucha legend Doug Williams not the X Division champion at the time? Yeah, he retained it in a match against Sean Moore uh, on that Jesus show that went... <laughs> Sorry, just to clarify then, in terms of X Division matches, like ladder match had Kazarian in it, an amazing red and Brian, and Brian Kendrick and Daniels and stuff. But in terms of like real X Division, Ultimate X match, X Division championship match, <laughs> and with the X Division will shine in 18 minutes because that's all we're giving them. <laughs> I'm not being funny. It's things like this that AEW is struggling for. I'm not being funny. Like the sheer optics of what wrestling was like for 20 years. Why would you ever dip your tool back into this when this is like, oh, there's this competition thing. What's it? No. <laughs> no. I heard of TNA being notoriously bad before I ever watched it. Yeah. Let's tune in. Let's tune in for Destination oh. X to watch that X division. And of course, Rob Terry versus Magnus for the TNA <laughs> Championship that went. 83 seconds. Anyway, right, let's talk about this match. Because uh, as you said, uh, Sige, the bit we, we tune in on, they're midway through this match and Abyss is starting to no-sell like Hogan, hulking up. And Mike Tanay saying, AJ is going to throw everything at the monster. And judging by the look on Abyss's face, he's saying, bring it, AJ, because I'm ready for you. Listen to this for a sentence as well from Mike Tanay. Hogan equalized the situation, wheeling Rick Rick Flair out of the ringside area. And of course, bringing referee, noted, you know, impartial referee, Earl Hebner down to officiate. Oh, good. Yeah, that sorted all this out. So uh, Abyss, in the midst of all this, as I said, has been no selling. He does the Hogan point. He does the the punches, the big boot. I mean, he doesn't take a, a chair off his feet because, well, there's a don't take any bumps there, there, lads. So he just sort of big boots him back into the corner, picks him up, and then choke slams him through the ring. And we get a close up of Earl Hebner who goes, "What the?" And then calls to the bell, and Tanay yells, "What the hell?" Like he loses, it, but he goes a bit high pitched at this point. Uh, and there's there's just stunned. Stunned expressions on the TNA fans. They're chanting TNA and Taz shouts, AJ went through the ring. So no one knows what's going on. Main event, no one knows what's going on. Hogan crawls into the ring and I was going to write and shout, brother, to, to, to Abyss, but he's sort of still helping himself up. So you know, like when you get out of a chair, especially you, Hamper, now you're a bit older. <laughs> brother, like that, he's trying to help himself up. He gives Abyss the title. Abyss holds it high. The fans go, yay! Earl Hebner, like, jumps up and snatches it out of his hand. Ric Flair, I, I've never seen a person's skin that colour. I've got to be honest. Like, I know he looked a lot like that in TNA for a large period of time, but he's like, I was going to, like, write, like, oh, he's got, like, Brock Lesnar skin, but he doesn't because he's, like, he's, like, Brock Lesnar skin, but, like, really tanned at the same time. It's like the red is coming through the tan. It's like a sunburnt potato or something with his, without his skin being peeled off. Uh, so he's wheeling himself down to the ring going, not so fast. <laughs> and then, uh, like his little hands. They do a shot. <laughs> they start. They're like, okay, punch in. I want to see Flair's hands. And I want you to zoom out to show him wheeling the, the wheelchair, despite the fact that 
Chelsea is is supposedly meant to be helping him down to the ring as well. It's amazing. So uh, basically they're implying, oh, well, I don't think it's ever actually explicitly said, is it? But effectively, Hebner's called a stop to the match and therefore the title's not changing hands or whatever. So Flair sat on the ramp, which is goes right up to the ring, and he's taunting a bit, going, ah, yeah, you might have killed my guy, but uh, you haven't won the title. And that's the real, that's the real quiz. So Abyss, right, grabs Flair by the throat and starts dragging him out of the chair in between the top and middle rope. Hebner, meanwhile, has got Hogan chasing after him going, what the bloody hell's going on? Give me the title, give me the title. It's, play, it's sort of like playing keep away the TNA championship. And then he suddenly realises, bollocks, I've trapped myself in the corner of the ring, Hogan's coming. There's a big hole, as we talked about, the big hole in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Hogan's coming around one side, and his exit is now blocked by Abyss. And, well, effectively, uh, half draped over the middle rope, Ric Flair is being pulled by his throat. So Hebner, like a child crossing a river on the stepping stones, goes, I'll just jump. I'll just jump from this bit to the other side of the big hole, doesn't make it, foot goes in the hole, he falls over, the fans start laughing. <laughs> and you think, oh, okay, well, that's the big old fun stopped. Oh, no, it's just getting started, brother. Because Abyss, he's obviously pulling Ric Flair through the ropes, but to give Ric Flair space to, you know, put his legs down when he gets through, he steps back, he falls in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he gets back up immediately, no sells all that. Obviously, he's, he's the second coming of Hogan. Goes to Chokeslam player. Chelsea, that's all she's introduced as. Chelsea, uh, there's a spot earlier on in this match, by the way, where where uh, Rick Blair's meant to pepper spray the referee. That's why Earl Hebner had to come down. And I watched it and he grabs the referee and the referee goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's meant to grab him and go, what are you doing? Pepper spray, mace in, in your face, right? But Rick Blair can't get it working. So the referee's like... <laughs> he doesn't know what to say. He just goes, <laughs> oh, bloody hell, where's that come from? Sort of thing. So anyway, that's the, that, the pepper spray's already been introduced, uh, LTST, right? Um, so Chelsea gets the pepper spray again, doesn't, goes to spray him. Hogan stops her, but also she can't operate it effectively. He gets her hand, directs it, sprays it at Flair, who does the most ridiculous sell. He's rolling around, but he's also rolling around. Ah, bloody hell. But also kind of taking his jacket off at the same time. Oh, I got my face hurt so much. I have to take my jacket off. And uh, Taz Taz says, hey, look at Flair. He looks like a fish out of water. Um, and in the midst of all this, Desmond Wolf. Uh, Hamlet, explain who Desmond Wolf is for fans who may be unaware. He was so good. <laughs> He's muted himself. Atlas laughs so much. <laughs> no. Sorry. Beloved former Ring of Honor champion, Nigel McGuinness, who was going great guns in TNA. Like an unreal start. Again, one of the last moments you thought, maybe this company can be opposition. He came in as like a huge deal. Wrestled with Kurt Angle right out the gate in the same way that Angle had wrestled with Joe. Unreal series of matches. Like this is why you need a WWE alternative because they wouldn't have signed a Ring of Honor guy, put him with their top guy and put him over. Like... Hogan was in there five minutes and was like, oh, British guy, is it? Get that man a baller hat, get him a cane, get him like, get him to be like, get Chelsea his valet to be Ric Flair's woman now because she'd like Ric Flair more than she'd ever like him. He was finished. He was absolutely doomed. To the point where when he did his like last of McGuinness uh, documentary, 
where of course he talks about no longer being able to wrestle to hepatitis diagnosis, I believe it is. Yeah. Like he's talking about like the end of his dream. At, like no point does like anybody working with him or anybody like, I but like you got to TNA. Like even he knows that's it. It's like that doesn't count. It doesn't count. Like that's did you watch what they have me doing? It doesn't count. Yeah personified here he runs down to try and make the save and he just gets chinned by abyss and hogan he goes back and forth punch oh stumble into the other one punch oh stumble into the other one then he gets maced by hogan <laughs> stumbles around and rick Blair's still rolling you know crawling around on the floor like he's lost a contact lens or something so was wolf backs into him Whoa! he goes uh arse over tit into the he's into the hole as well Flair rolls around a bit more and then just goes uh, and rolls into the bottomless pit in the middle of the ring to close the show. What a moment that was, Sige. I mean, here's the thing. You've captured perfectly what was a farce that the writers of Frasier could not pen. <laughs> I just thought it a farce. And all the while, AJ Styles is selling something that he has to sell at. It was basically a bump because he's gone through the wood. Like the table bump, I guess. The panels. Like people are just... He's gone to his doom, ostensibly, if you're to take this seriously. It's people whose legs are just like, oh, cool, but I get out of this. <laughs> they're like, it's not a perilous situation for AJ Styles, is it? If they're stumbling into it, like, oh, Christ, get out here, Sharpish. No, you can't because there's a ostensibly like injured guy there so how is it hurting him and not it's TNA man TNA such a, such a massive hole and it's in the fucking middle of the ring I, I love that like they're, again like they're, they've got so like so much to do after the hole has opened up like only to like WWE shows have gone off the air with like a small hole in the corner and it's like no, no we've not even finished the show we've got about, <laughs> like 16 more people to bring out there the massive hole in the middle of the ring. It's class. Get in the big hole. Uh, so we go once again to the uh, to the comment section. Once again, these do not reflect the use of myself, the daddy was, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. I, I was I was so giddy when I found some of these. Mister Wolf Champ, nineteen ninety nine, writes. People complain about this era, but I got to tell you, this is when TNA was at its most watchable. Storylines and acting were on point. Hulk and Ric Flair renewing their feud was great TV. These two know how to work the mic, and more importantly, they knew psychology to get you invested in what's going on. I love they just fell in a big hole. <laughs> <laughs> Storylines and tell they tell you what's going on. That's really depressing, and yet. I know for a fact, and Sid will have many more of these than I will have ever done, but that like kind of mirrors a lot of like really bad faith, like criticisms of AEW now through younger guys that people don't know. And it's like, uh, are, you, uh, are you people criticizing why uh, AEW would want to sign Braun Strowman? <laughs> maybe uh, maybe you'll hear a bit more of Jungle Boy when he fights Braun Strowman. You know, they need a few stars in there that know what they're doing, please. That like nothing changes from those specific fans that only believe it one way. That being said, like Hogan versus Sting in 2011 was pretty class. Let's put that on Sting. Let's put that on Sting. That was pretty great. Uh, kind of different take on this uh, from the Mopar 426. Hogan and Flair, two old guys fighting over the last pudding in the old folks' home. Really, it's essentially what it was. Oh, that's not a very nice way to talk about a bit. 
This is, though, apparently. Craig is not cool. Oh, someone would win a Mankind look-alike contest. <laughs> oh, oh. It's kind of what it was. <laughs> I love these uh, booking suggestions that we get in the comment section occasionally. Dingle Gonzo writes, Abyss should change his name to Anus. <laughs> Why would he do that? Why? Second big hole in this five-star review. Why would he ever do that? Uh, and Dead Man Inc. 336. Imagine like, oh, Dead Man Inc. 1. No. Dead Man Inc. 2. No. <laughs> Take, just, just to recap then. World title, main event, like you say, Hogan, Flair, Styles, Abyss, Hebner, a big hole. Dead Man Inc.'s not paying any attention to that. He writes... When Chelsea puts on a bikini, we'll see if she's as hot as Angelina Love. But for now, she is simply just gorgeous. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Prove it. Prove it right now. <laughs> you think you had? Jesus Christ. I write content and these other people who read it. <laughs> existential crisis every single day, man. Uh, so thanks once again to Mansham and his review, which I forgot to mention was titled Just Thinking About What a Knob Hogan Is. <laughs> thanks, Mansham, for that. If you want to suggest something short, grab and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god-awful Monday Night Raw segment, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review on there. That was a lot of fun. But unfortunately, lads, we have to return to Monday Night Raw. Bobby Lashley's partying in the back uh, with MVP and his ladies, of course. Uh, when Kevin Patrick uh, barges in, um, I'm saying bloody rude, uh, and uh, he says, "Have you got any idea why why um, McIntyre's got a face style tonight?" And MVP went, "No idea," um, but Lashley's off because he's the champion. And he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to face anyone basically. And Lashley grabbed the mic and said he was going to publicly execute McIntyre and put his head on a stick. Just like, he didn't say like this, but just <laughs> like William Wallace, more Scottish stuff, Sige. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? Like, there's the big sell for the pay-per-view and there's just some absolute nonsense. That isn't going to happen. Andy Bernard on a conference call. I am killing Phyllis with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Next up. Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. Oh my God, there's loads left, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to do, I might do the 45 seconds. It's, honestly, we can't talk about this for as long as we do. I, mean, I want you to talk about this because I'm fairly certain I watched a man get possessed. So what happened was uh, Bliss... Got in a bit of offence, but Nia Jax battered her because look at the size of her. Anyway, Jax misses a leg drop, and I think that this, this is the, the screenshot that I've got on my Twitter. Bliss set up with this face that was meant to be like, oh, you done it now. And it looked like a teenager when you asked them to clean their room. Like, oh, God, leave me alone, Mum. I'm going to listen to more Avril Lavigne. I don't know what kids listen to these days. Um, anyway, Bliss shouted, shrieked, screamed at Nia Jack. She hit a DDT. She hit uh, a sparkle splash, twisted Bliss from the top rope. She was going to pin Nia Jax effectively. But thankfully, whew, in comes Reginald to break it all up. DQ victory for Alexa Bliss, who stares at Reginald. He backs off. And then 
that's what happened. She possessed him. She has the power to possess a sommelier, apparently. He started mimicking her head movements, and then Jack sort of woke up, chased Alexa Bliss off, and then that broke the spell. Michael Cedric, you've got your head in your hands here. Right, start. It's on 40 seconds. Nothing Alexa Bliss did in this pro wrestling match, not that you could take it remotely seriously as a pro wrestling match. It looked halfway effective or convincing. Or like It looked like it hurt Nia Jax. The selling was atrocious. That The impact was so goddamn weak. I could not take this seriously. Stripped away from the supernatural Hogan. If she can possess people, why didn't she simply possess Nia Jax? Why didn't she possess everyone? Why didn't she make the champion fall down and win a title? Why does she want to win a title when she's a child in a woman's body? Like... All of this to win a wrestling belt. Take over the world. <laughs> Stop. And I know what you're thinking. Well, okay, Sige, I've got a hole in your plan there. Uh, maybe she can only possess men. Possess Postman Pierce then. I mean, again, having book you in handicap matches or... She possessed Shayna Baszler's legs from the ramp. And yet, oh, yeah. Good point. Jack just hit a drop kick. So she's like, I'm not, not going to go to that. Like, the woman leaks goo from her head. Like, it's more than just what she can do to other people. Like, she has complete autonomy over herself and others. And this goo. is... I keep my fingers crossed that I can uh, get a win by DQ on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> like, I, I just... what well, I Hateful content this was. Hateful pro wrestling content to build to a match that nobody could possibly want to watch. Um, Nia Jax took it very easily on uh, mate Alexa Bliss, which I thought was quite nice. There was a, a power slam that I saw gift because it was so delicate, and you know people were ripping the piss out of it. And it's like, well, what do you want? Do you want to upload a gift where Nia Jax is smashing someone's face in instead? Maybe we should look. Maybe we should actually praise her for like treating somebody gently that has not to she take a bump. Good. She could just be competent. Oh, that, that's what we're after. Like we're working towards a middle of competent, but like I don't know. No, she could just be competent. Maybe that's me. Honestly, nice to say because there's nothing left. I don't know. Like you say, if WWE got a serial killer monster from movies, they'd have Jason get a schoolboy and run up the ramp. Well, it looks like he stole one this week. <laughs> Honestly, I wrote three years ago at this point, and consider how much worse it is now. Circum so, about three years ago, I wrote they could get Cthulhu and 50 50. Right, let's go. What's next? Um, next, it was MVP and the New Day backstage. He presented he couldn't remember what Xavier Woods' name was. Uh, and MVP, again, going after Kofi, saying, look, Kofi Mania's dead. You know why. Um, and, he, and Kofi's like, oh, yeah, is it, is it all my fault? Is am I the one to blame? Is that why Kofi Mania's dead? And MVP went, no, because of this chump next to you, basically. Woods got pinned tonight. You're a loser vicariously through association through him. Woods said... <laughs> MVP, hurry up because he's got to get home to put put water in his mama's dish. And then Kingston said, look, piss off. Unless you want your teeth on the floor and be walking with two canes, go away. I only accomplished what I did because of my brothers. I'd never turn on them. Uh, I did like MVP zinger back because like, I did buy that Kofi was just like, no, I won't turn on them. For once, you're not going to break up this tag team. And MVP went, okay, yeah, fair enough. Good luck at your match on, uh, on Sunday at Hell and Cell. Oh, wait a minute. You don't have a match. Pamphlet, your thoughts? Like, really decent, I thought this. Um, Kofi's delivery was believable. Like, love always that they go back to the fact that, like, the New Day are not so stupid to be manipulated by arsehole heels. 
that they see being heels in their place of work. Like, I like that they've always had the agency to not be, like, fooled into breaking up over petty things like a chase for a title when they probably more than anybody know that you'll get a shot again in two weeks anyway. Um, I really like this. And I do feel like, again, like, it's kind of bringing the New Day out of the programme with RK Bro, probably into one with Bobby Lashley. And if Lashley does retain on Sunday, which I think he will, my gut feeling is they're going to look at maybe Lashley Kingston or Lashley Woods as a single title match for Money in the Bank. And that's really interesting and new and something that I feel like a live crowd will have tremendous investment in. So, like, this angle in general has given me high hopes for what these are going to be up to for the next month. Didn't hate this at all. In fact, I thought it was really strong. And there's there's an actual bit of subtlety to the dialogue that just completely floored me. MVP said that you're not going to say it, Kofi, but Xavier Woods is the one that's dragging it down or whatever. And Kofi Kingston said, you're right, I'm not going to say that. That didn't mean, mm. doesn't think it. And that was actually left as an implication that I, not a goldfish or an idiot, was allowed to pick up on. Unbelievable. I'm interested in this. <laughs> and I will never think about it other than outside of the three hours in which I'm watching it. But it's interesting. It's good. It's well, it's well written. Uh, Jackson Riker and Elias had the exact same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, don't worry. I'm literally. The, 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 the key thing here was, was like, a promo where all you saw was Jackson Riker's eyes. That was that was the thing. They zoomed in whilst he was talking bollocks. And then he won by count out because Elias couldn't be asked. Fine. McIntyre came down. Uh, and uh, so uh, once he'd walked down and they plugged NXT and Hell in a Cell, Lashley's music hit and he had sofas up on the stage, a VIP lounge. The highlight of this was Big George uh, wanting to stick around in the VIP bit rather than having just done bloody ringside. What's AJ Styles face Drew McIntyre? And then in the match itself, you know, good stuff. But as me and Andy called yesterday, I said, this, there's no way this goes to a clean finish. And in all likelihood, considering this is, you know, the number one contender versus the tag champs, yeah, it's going to devolve into a six-man. That's exactly what happened. Um, McIntyre hit a future shot DDT early on. Instead of covering, he taunted Lashley. Lashley came down to ringside. Uh, and then the Viking Raiders came out. Um, Styles eventually fights back. Fireman's carry neck breaker gets him a two-count. McIntyre knocks him out of the ring, goes after him. Lashley tries to get, get him, but McIntyre dodges that and nails him with a punch. He has a flying clothesline, but of course Lashley comes in. DQ, Viking Raiders attack, uh, and we get the six-man immediately off the back of that. Although, nice for once considerate thing of Bobby Lashley having to run from the back midway through this match because he'd attacked him whilst dressed resplendently in a suit, so he wasn't in his gear. So anyway, midway through this six-man Lashley runs down, pulls McIntyre off the apron and hoys him straight into the barricade. Uh, the heels are winning until Ivar comes in. He gets the hot tag. He does the, the great spots that he do. He runs wild. Lashley eventually fights back, hits him with a spine buster. Uh, Big Jord almost comes in. They have a stare down with him and McIntyre. And Vince McMahon goes backstage. And... Uh, McIntyre goes to attack him, almost grabs him by the throat, but McIntyre goes for the legs and uh, shoves him off. Styles comes in. McIntyre hits Styles with three overhead suplexes. Uh, Lashley distracts the ref. Big Jord pulls McIntyre down by the hair. Styles stumbles over, goes for a tag, but just sort of collapses in the midst of it all, hits anything, anyone. And instead of tagging in uh, almost, he gets Lashley, who's confused, 
takes a second, gets in, walks straight into a Claymore. One, two, three. Michael Hamblett, the WWE champion, has been pinned. He's been pinned two other times this month as well. Like yeah. that sort of stuff. So all hot, unfortunately. I didn't hate this. Um, I hated, of course, how we arrived at it. This like stunk of that 2019 comeback after the break and it's two out of three falls match. That kind of like, oh, here's a six man now. I, I hate that. Just feels so unnatural, even though, and like it's just another one of their weird favorite things now having a wrestler's wrestle in the street clothes, isn't it? Like to try and give the illusion of spontaneity, which is what it is. It's an illusion. Um, but I, I kind of like the rest of this. The the leaning on Drew and Omos was no accident. I immediately started to think we're going to get Omos and Drew at SummerSlam. 70,000 people, giant men in a giant building. It's, that's like got Vincent Mann written all over it. And like it's quite old fashioned WWE to plant the seeds of that here ahead of Drew, probably losing now that he's had his win on Raw. You know, it's like it's their way of like kind of 50 50 and Drew getting him out of trouble. Then you get the tag belts off Omos and AJ by the Viking Raiders who were folded into it here. And then that leaves you free for Drew and Omos. Like it, I felt like I was mapping that out. And if they are two, like this was probably even more effective. Not like thrilling work. Quite like the Viking Raiders getting like a bit of babyface shine, getting a bit of a hot tag because we don't get a lot of their impact stuff. And it was like nice to get a reminder that they even exist in a match like of this stature on Raw. So I've not got much else to say about the, the actual work. Everybody was holding loads back, Drew and Lashley especially because of the pay per view on Sunday. But I just thought I could see other stories starting to take shape here. And that's like you never get that on Raw ever. And I kind of admire that. This could all come to nothing next week. Everything I've just said there could be made completely redundant, but I just felt like I was seeing the moving forward with all these characters, and that's extremely welcome because I'm tired of these combinations. Yeah, I have to echo that, but it's so basic. It's so... That's what they should be doing as a matter of course every single week, every single sort of cycle between a paper. I just can't accept the bare minimum. Um, curve be damned. AJ Styles... Bumped pretty damn hard for Drew here. Like, what a pro. Um, but as the various players that were clearly going to do something, whether it was a post-show, post-match schmars that leads to an imp- like, impromptu match or whatever, as soon as all the players descended, I'm thinking, what am I watching this for? What am I watching this for? Seriously, like... I thought hot tag was good. Almost is very green, <laughs> very, very, very green. Like so green that I feel like he's going to get sent back down to the performance center at some stage. But again, how how can he possibly work when he's that size? Mm. Yeah, how can you do a body slam without like sort of going oh, and then just like lowering him down gently to the mass? Like it's just too big. That jury's out on that, but he did not look good. Um, hated just the actual visual reminder that my time is being wasted I already have this feeling within me watching virtually the entire show but when you can see it happening it's so I was just a mood I was in a mood for some of the good action later on in the show in the match in the main event well there you have it that was uh, the Helen Self Go Home show of Monday Night Raw do let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE and watch they can follow all three of us you can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet or Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. 
follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Got the NXT preview coming later on today, of course. Uh, and uh, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. Leave us a five star review suggesting something, something short, crap, and wrestling related, just like Manchum did earlier for us to talk about instead of something terrible on monday night raw but this has been the raw review my thanks to the dadly boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.